0: Hi, you're listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters for week ending Friday, the 3rd of June 2022. We're on Triple R every weekday morning from 6 to 9am broadcast live from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on our podcast this week, we talk about the highs and lows of finding the perfect car park. Our multidisciplinary Filipino artist Leroy New joined us to tell us all about his art that is showing as part of The Wilds at Rising, which is on now. And also Dr Jen came in and told us and scared us about all the microplastics that are in our world and in our bodies.
1: And guess who pop in should always text ahead and offer to bring something. Do you agree? Uh, Flick Ford reviewed Top Gun Maverick, premiering 36 years after the original. And James be the star and crea- creator of Yummy Iconic, drop in to chat about the upcoming season. Dinner reservations, would you prefer an early or a late booking?
2: Bugman Simon Hinkley picks through the wonderful world of life. Nat Harris presents a romantic conundrum as our Friday funny bugger. But we start the week with Digger getting down and dirty. Triple
3: <laughs> R. Dirt, dirt,
4: dirt. It's where you grow your plans. Dirt, dirt, dirt. dirt. Hey, you got some on your pants. Can
2: you stop saying about dirt? Justin digger is swung by the studio to answer your text on 0466981027 before a busy morning of foraging, I'm sure. Morning, Digger.
5: Morning all. How are we? Yeah, good. good. Thanks. Happy thanks. winter. Happy winter. Keeping warm?
0: Oh, yes. That's why I'm wearing a puffer jacket in here uh-huh. still. you
5: got the puffer.
0: Yeah, I know. It's I got okay. sexy thermals. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: and I walked across the road with all the other tradies in shorts. Yeah, yeah <laughs> precisely. <laughs> it was, I was giggling to myself. It's like, shorts, 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 shorts. Morning, <laughs> brother. High five. Such an aversion to covering your leg. <laughs> you just get too hot. You can't move. Oh. Anyway.
2: Is it a – they, there's any thickness of socks? Is there any upgrade? Nah, no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, bigger. they're there,
0: alright, but they're pretty short. They're pretty thin. Yeah, they're. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is radio. <laughs> <I'm> just <laughs> <was showing> us <laughs> just
3: up
5: socks. on the desk <laughs> for raiding.
2: Uh, <laughs> what, el- what else is going out there in Winterland?
5: Ah, it's going sick. So wintertime, um, yeah, Prelude to the show, um, Winter Weeds. And really good, like you mentioned during the news, the price of lettuce and all this kind of stuff. So it couldn't be more appropriate to do some wild harvesting. Now, these are the sorts of plants that have been obviously popping up forever and a day and getting ignored and getting a bad rap. Mm. Because, you know, we call them weeds and weeds by definition just some plant that you don't want in that position at that point in time. So these things are popping up. And so as the seasons go, there are literally seasonal weeds things that will be around in winter won't be around in spring and vice versa through different seasons so some of the ones now to be looking out for um wonderful stinging nettle now again gets a bad rap have you ever been stung by a nettle no luckily you know no
1: no
5: no, so they're 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 a leaf. It doesn't look unlike a dope leaf, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but so is it, so they tell me. <laughs> um, and it's got heaps and heaps of little hypodermic needles on the top of the leaf, tiny, tiny, tiny little ones. So if you touch it, you get like a stinging sensation. It's a bit. It, look, it's not painful. It's just like, oh, that's annoying. I need to rub it, you know, because mm. it's because it's annoying. Um, but to eat these leaves, now they they will grow in where there's wasteland. So wherever the soil is kind of like almost depleted, you'll find lots of nettle mm. and they draw up lots and lots of nutrients so there's competitions in europe to, to, to eat nettle raw as much as you can and just see how long you can you know last getting your, ma- you, your mouth gets stung with a thousand needles <laughs> as you're eating it <laughs> <laughs> um but also then if you go to france you can have nettle a bowl of nettle soup you will be paying a fortune for it a very high class yeah, yeah, I've eaten French.
0: stinging nettle, yeah. I think in Italy, like, but they cook it. Yeah, yeah you yeah. do
5: need to cook As soon as you add heat to it, that, that kind of melts the silica because the needles are made from silica, and it's absolutely fine. But the flavor is amazing. It's, it's one of the most highest sources of iron in the plant kingdom, so there's not too many plants that have more iron than, than nettle. Um, I've got a whole stack of list of things here, so it's not just iron. It's got vitamins A, B, C, D, E, calcium, potassium, and sulfur.
2: Okay, does that qualify as a superfood?
5: Yeah, that qualifies as a superfood. Hmm. And so there's others. So nettle, you'll see it around, um, walking around. If you get stung, that's nettle, <laughs> Yeah. Know, if you feel it on your legs. So it's around now. Another one, oxalis, you might know it as yeah. sour grass. Um, gets called all different sorts of things around the world. Wood sorrel, kind of looks a bit like clover, mm-hmm. but it has a yellow and or pink flower and or white flower. Um, super zesty lemon flavour, like you, you Every time I'm taking students around today and we'll be tasting it, everyone that puts it in their mouth goes, oh, my God, that's amazing. I could use it in this, 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 this. It's like, yeah, you've probably been just stomping on it for the last 30 years.
0: Yeah, that's quite common. I can I see that everywhere. Yeah, it's
5: absolutely – all these are everywhere. Once you see them, you can't unsee them because mm. they're literally everywhere. Um, dandelions, you were talking about lettuce before. Mm. The dandelion family is huge. got about 16 times the n- nutritional value of a lettuce – so you wouldn't bother eating lettuce you know if you buy masculine mix in the supermarket most of it's dandelion and the dandelion family is massive because it's a massive family so they're just very young fresh dandelions as they get older they get a little bit more bitter and a bit yuckier but when they're super young they're just you know fresh leaves vitamins a b c fiber potassium iron calcium and magnesium
2: right so you're telling me I've been mowing the lawn all
5: this time and I've been catching dinner? Mate, yeah. <laughs> all these people out there the whippersnippers, it's like, mate, save your time, energy, pick it, a little bit of lemon juice, garlic butter, everything's good. Okay. Yeah. Um, chickweed. Th- chickweed? Chickweed's another amazing one. So it's coming up now um, and it goes right through winter. It gets called chickweed because at the end of winter, if you feed it to your chickens, it brings them back on the lay to lay their eggs again. Um, between 15 to 20% protein. And this you... tiny little common weed that's growing in everyone's garden. Oh,
0: that's I've got that everywhere. Yeah, yeah, Do you have to cook it?
5: Yeah, you can eat the well chickweed. You can eat raw. Yeah, it just tastes like yeah, you've Grass. mowed the lawn. Yeah, <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, fold. You can cook it. You can put it into your green smoothies. All that kind of stuff. That's a lot of protein in this tiny little weed that's growing in a crack in your concrete.
2: Wow, oh. that's so curious because we had a chick expert, Justine Miller, in saying to uh, give chickens a rest over winter. Mm. And then, but this advice is like, induce those eggs. Well, this yeah. is at the end, at the oh, end of right. winter.
5: So, so to bring it on, as the weather warms up, yeah, right. um, it's when the chickweed goes to flower and set seed because that's when the protein levels are at their highest. Just pick it, throw it to the chickens, and within a week they'll be back laying. Beautiful.
0: Do you get all the nutrients if you have nettle tea, do you know?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So again, if you uh, just blitz it all down. So if right. you can keep the juice, keep everything in it, and it's, it's such a weird flavour. It tastes, this is going to sound bad, but it tastes like you're chewing on nails... <laughs> but, not, not fingernails like hardware nails, oh, yeah. but yeah. with also an undertone of peanuts.
0: Oh, that is the wow. weirdest Peanuts and iron. You okay.
5: can taste peanuts and iron. <laughs> okay, great. It's amazing. So again, th- squirt some lemon juice on that or have a bit of oxalis at the same time with that zesty lemon. It's mad. Wow. Passi-
2: possibly the most acquired taste I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> when you're out in the
5: building site and you just can't get to the food truck. You <laughs> yeah, uh, we have a
2: few queries. Can we chuck Go some at it. you? Go okay, I planted Geraldton wax in a small Callistemon two to three years ago, but they're not growing as much. They're kind of static. I have alkaline soil with a sandstone base throughout. This mm-hmm. is in a regional coastal town. Yep. What does that mean? Poor plant choice, soil issues? Uh, soil
5: issues. So it might be a drainage. Now, Geraldton wax, as we know from... You know Geraldton WA so it is sand based soil so that's good um that level of alkalinity could be a problem so it, it depends you know slightly alkaline is one thing but at at 8.5 nutrient uptake especially potassium and phosphorus drop drop right off completely so it's kind of like on a little drip feed so I'd check where the pH actually sits
2: okay
1: uh, what's the best fertiliser for magnolia trees and what do I need to fertilise in my garden in winter?
5: Okay, so the magnolias will be budding up, so any palletised fertiliser will work, but you're looking for a ratio, on the back of fertiliser package you get these NPK mm. ratios, so you're looking for a ratio as close to thereabouts, 5, 4, 3, so it's a pretty one, easy one to remember. So not, you know, a little bit more nitrogen than phosphorus and a little bit more phosphorus than potassium, mm-hmm. it's called a balanced fertiliser. So On the packaging, if you ever see a balanced fertiliser, that would be great. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Uh,
2: What about environment lime trees in a wine barrel when it's frosty out?
5: Environment. What
0: environment lime trees like if they're in a wine barrel?
5: Oh, great. A wine barrel for a lime tree is absolutely fine while it's still young. As it gets old, the thing about potting mixes, remember, they deteriorate, so you may need to refresh it, and that's a mongrel of a job to repot a wine barrel. (laughs) Essentially, you've got to roll it on its side, take the lime out, Scratch some of the old soil off, put some new soil in and lift it back up. Any citrus in a pot, peeps, just water, water, water. You've got to keep them hydrated because they dry out too quickly in a pot. Yeah.
2: You want you, see a wine barrel and your knees, yeah. and your it's gonna...
1: reconstruction starts tingling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone has an earwig infestation. How to get rid of them, please?
5: Water the garden. They don't like water. They don't like moist soil. So, so they'll be if hating you've got the rain earwigs, then. Yeah. So they'll mm. be looking for dry spots. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if, the, if your soil's moist, you won't have earwigs.
0: Can I ask a question about weeds, just while the texts have dried up for the moment? Um, what about the risks? Like, are there certain weeds that look like other weeds that aren't good to eat?
5: Absolutely. Stellaria does look a little bit like, you know, sticky weed. It sticks to your socks as you walk around. Yeah. You know? So it looks a bit like that, and sticky weed's got that. Anything that has this, you know, you know the white kind of sap in it is a little bit dangerous. Um, so, yeah, you've got to make sure you know exactly what you're looking at. We don't want any... Into the wild occurrences, you know, out in the public there. Have you Is ever seen that movie? N- which one? That book, into the wild.
2: Oh yes, of course. Yeah.
5: So you eat the wrong thing and yeah. Doesn't no,
0: go good. well. Doesn't go All well. right.
5: Um, so obviously close, wild he was, he was so close. <laughs> Some of us haven't seen it, <laughs> yeah. dig <digger>. up. Uh, uh, <laughs> have you seen alone? No. <laughs> um there's you know, obviously you've got to be careful if you're wild harvesting out by the creek or something like mm. that with spraying council spraying. Now they're pretty good these days with dyes and signage, but Ideally, this would be in your garden or, you know, family, friends' gardens that you'd be looking for these things and harvesting because they're absolutely everywhere. Like I said, once you see it, you would be like, oh, my God, why am I even going to the, to the supermarket to buy leafy greens mm. because it's a plethora. It's all there.
0: And they're too expensive now anyway. Mm.
2: <laughs> mm. What about celery and leeks? Is it too late to plant?
5: <sighs> I reckon.
0: Okay. Sorry, Jimmy. It was Jimmy.
5: Yeah. And um, celery needs a lot of water, a lot, a lot of water. Commercially, it takes about 200 litres of water to make a celery.
2: Wow. And what what if you're trying to cultivate nettles?
5: Um, So just sit tight and wait know where your patch is and then at the end of winter when they start flowering and go to seeds, just go over there, put a paper bag over the top of them, shake the seed out and there you've got next year's crop.
0: Oh, right.
5: So you've got to wait until their their seed heads are starting to dry off.
0: Um, Screen Master Pitosporum.
5: Mm, Pitosporum.
0: Five, oh, thank, thank you. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. Um, five of randomly... Uh, after a year, about five randomly spaced have died. Do you know why?
5: Like five randomly spaced? What was it's it? Five, five of them.
0: they planted 40 of them and yeah. five have just died. Uh,
5: that's not unusual. So with any planting, we're dealing with living things. There's going to be a nutrition rate. It's very rare that you plant, especially when you plant things in a row, they've all got the same requirements. So they all want the same water, the same nutrient, the same light. And so when you put them all together, some of them are going to outcompete the others, and you get dead patches.
1: Mm. Um, I bought a bare-rooted peonies in the bag at the Melbourne Flower Show. Mm-hmm. Is it still a good time to plant? And any tips?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Get the peonies in super rich soil, so lots and lots of compost in there, lots and lots of chook poo. Um, they're heavy feeders. They're a big, beautiful, glossy, blousy flower peonies. So they're, they're very much a collector's item. Mm.
2: All right. Uh, so much you. You're really saving people money here, aren't you? i uh, try my best, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I read it also in the news that kale hasn't gone up. Great. Uh, is, I've actually, <laughs> is, isn't that
0: fantastic? I've actually been growing that, so I don't even need to buy it. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. The right. Tuscan one, not the other that? gross one.
5: Because <laughs> yes, there's only one gross one. Very. <laughs> uh,
2: well, Digger, put on some pants and go out and enjoy the winter. I will.
5: See ya.
3: Independent Melbourne Radio, 3RRR.
1: I went to the shops yesterday, just had to get a single item and it was pouring rain. As I was driving up, uh, it was packed and you could see people kind of running in and trying to cover themselves from the rain and someone left just as I got right near the entrance so I got a rock star car park just right at the end. I was so pleased with myself, sat in the car, just enjoyed it for a moment Uh, and then went inside and hardly got wet because as I said I was right up the front. Um, When I was in there there was, uh, I was waiting in line and there was another lady that was uh, ahead of me and she had a little baby and she also was trying to purchase a big white goods items, so this big box and it wouldn't fit in two of the different bags that she tried to purchase and so then I saw her struggling trying to hold the baby and hold the box and I just said to her, "I would you like me to give you a hand with that to the car? Uh, she said, oh no, I'll be fine, I'll be fine and struggled. I said, no, I'll just give me a minute, I'll, I'll get my stuff and then I'll walk you to your car. She's like, oh, that would be great, thank you. So we went out, her car, <laughs> the furthest car from the entrance, pouring rain, <laughs> So I offered her a ride in my car to her night. <laughs> but I, st- I was like, she goes, I'm so sorry, it's, it's in the far corner. I said, no, not a problem, hmm. not a problem. Seething, <laughs> absolutely seething. See that car right there? That's my car, okay? That's yeah. where I should be going. Um, but no, I, I helped her to her car and, uh, and she was very... the hallway over there? Well, not in front of <laughs> her face, but afterwards, Christ, I thought, I can't wait to talk about this bitch on radio. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, but I do, yeah, I mean, it, it was a waste of a, a good car park, but that's okay. I mean, yeah, she, she was, you know. Clearly it is okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine. I'm fine.
2: <laughs> what, is it, what would uh, she have done without your help?
1: Uh, she really would have, she would have dropped one of them, either the white goods item or the baby. <laughs> so, and like just to get the keys out, she probably could have held them both, but it was getting the keys out. So I helped and I put it in the back of her car. Yeah.
0: Um, wow. look, Did you hang around and wait for like a tip? I continue, like, <laughs> no, sorry. I ran back to
1: my car because it was pouring rain. Oh I had God. to get back into my car. Um, but I do—I mean, everyone loves it when you get a good car spot. Uh, the my supermarket, unfortunately, the closest one to me is part of a shopping centre. So this is separate to where I was just in that car park. Um, so it's quite annoying, especially on weekends, just trying to go to the supermarket. It is so busy. Hmm. So I do appreciate when you get a, a good a good car spot. I'm not sure if it's because I've got a big car or because I've the car space that I have in my apartment building but I always reverse into a car spot do you reverse or do you go straight in you
0: you're not talking reverse parallel you mean like no I just reverse into a. Car. oh if I can yes because my favorite thing is um the like when you can drive straight through through two car parks so oh then, my then, god oh, that's a dream and you can drive straight out but yeah, yeah so if I can, if it's if you have enough room and you know to reverse in yeah Driving straight out of a car park feels like
1: a cheat. Isn't it great? <laughs> yes.
2: What about a one-way street uh, where there's parking on each side?
1: Oh. I did that so on Saturday night. so you have to
2: reverse night. on the left. <gasps>
1: I did you that. Can't do it. It's something in my brain. It's
0: oh, like... no, no I, I felt I was alone. But I was like, no, oh, that was pretty good. No <laughs> one's here. But yeah. Thank you. It was a good park.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've got, uh, so we've got two cars. We've got a bigger car and it's got a camera on the um Review mirror, which is very handy. So <laughs> the other day, I reversed, I just parallel parked in front of a um, cafe, mm. and there were people sitting outside, and it was a perfect, perfect car spot. Dream. I get out, round of applause from the two guys oh, sitting at the cafe. Are you I'm like, serious? Thank you. You. That's the best. I mean, I was doing it for myself in my head, and then they saw it, they clapped. But to be fair, I mean, with a camera, it's very easy. It's I reckon. So easy with a camera. Yeah. Yeah. The camera is. Just I of mean,
2: because uh, I have a car that doesn't have a camera, or mm. half the time, and you, you're using reflections from yes.
1: storefronts.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, do we touch park? I mean, you go to Italy, and it's everyone's touch parking. Yeah. That's oh, what I'm oh nerd, yeah. Like. Yeah, right but we're, we've got right. such this embarrassing car culture, like, where it's like, oh, you $800, sc- you know. Oh, yeah. And, it, and so everyone's precious about bumper parking or whatever it is. Yeah, but, it, yeah, like, yeah. You, you go to Italy and it's like, bang, bang, yeah. bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> and then nice and snug. It's just so – I find that even though it's uh, – I don't know, I find there's some sophistication to the chaos.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's also, like, agreed upon. Everyone knows, like, I'm bumping your card. That's just the way it is. It's fine. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Uh, But this – also, I like that this woman accepted your offer. She didn't straight away, but I did insist. Because I accepted an offer recently for help, like, and then the person that accepted it – sorry, the person that offered it wouldn't let me forget about it.
0: Oh, Oh, God.
2: God. Like, oh, you know, oh –
0: like I kept the door like open.
2: I've been, exactly. It's like either help or don't. Yeah. yeah. no. And if you help, just
0: shut up. Yeah. We all know it's a nice thing you've done. We've yeah. acknowledged that it's nice. Stop you know, banging don't on about yeah. it. Yeah, you, you,
2: you're taking the good out of the Samaritan. Mm.
1: <laughs> mm. You know, I bumped into uh, you speaking of bumper to bumper in Italy. I was in a um, shopping centre car park once and I nudged another guy's car and he was there. I was like, oh. God, no, I've got out. I wasn't going fast. I was just trying to get into my park. And he said, uh, just give us 50 bucks. And I gave him 50 bucks. And it was, Wait, I mean, what? it was a terrible car. His car? His car was terrible. My car was terrible. I was just like, oh. Like, like no oh. visible damage? No, I mean... A, t- a dint, but like the, the car was dinted so much. And it was a slight dint. Could have been there already. It could have been, but also I did hit his car okay. ever so slightly. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I'm going to have to fill out these. I'll give you my license and stuff. And he goes, mate, just give me 50 bucks and will call it even. I was like, beauty. Okay. Oh,
0: okay. That's interesting. Because I. Into your own hands. I, was, I had a
2: similar incident, but I was like, you know, and I don't think I left any mark on this other vehicle, but I had to vacate the area. Like, I was like, went out the window and had a conversation. Anyway, tried to find a park, but it's c- totally busy mm. on the street. And I was accused of partaking in <laughs> a hit and run.
1: <laughs> really?
2: So the, this police officer calls up
1: and, like, says... Still looking for a park, were you? Doing?
2: <laughs> I go back to the scene of the crime mm-hmm. and everyone's gone. Anyway, and and so then my phone rings and there's a cop saying, you're involved in a hit and run. This is not a hit and run. Let's did you hit, not Use that. a hit a car.
0: Not a cyclist. I was looking at it. Yeah, exactly. And
2: I looked at the car. I'm like, there's no, there's nothing Wait, here. Wait, And then you drove on? To find a park to go and
0: deal with it. But then you ended up at home.
2: You're like, a detour had passed the car where... And I was like, oh, I presume the owner – everyone's standing around commentating. Mm. And the owner would have left.
0: Oh, oh. Because I'm like, oh, they've
2: they've seen what I've seen. Yeah, it was a parked car. So they've seen what I've seen, that there's nothing going on. Anyway, I'm like, hit and run. (laughs) Yeah. But this is the nature of like a built-up urban area where – Anyway,
1: basically, I've, I need to turn myself in. But there, it's on the run. Yet. I like how you asked if it was a car. Like, just clarifying. You it's, didn't leave a well, body heard, on the ground, I've never did heard you?
0: hit and run used for a car. Like, it's usually used for a person, yeah, a person. or a cyclist. So Yeah, Ooh.
2: like, let's silo the important language for important <laughs> events. <laughs> Shall we?
0: Triple R
6: on FM, digital, online and via the app.
2: Rising Festival, the surge of art, performance and music in the heart of the city, kicks off today and an essential ingredient joins us in the studio right now. Leroy New is a Manila-based multidisciplinary artist whose immersive, psychedelic and arresting installations have exhibited around the world, including Singapore, Paris, Taipei, Japan, Belgium and New York. And he was this year invited to participate in the Hawaii Triennial and Sydney Biennale. The award-winning creator is in town for The Wilds, described as a fluoro fantasy of art at Sydney Maya Music Bowl. It opens tonight and tells about it. The acclaimed creative joins us now. Leroy, welcome to Breakfasters.
4: Thank you for having me.
2: Our pleasure. What have What have you done?
4: <laughs> um, well, a lot of stuff. I've basically been using some of uh, last year's leftover bamboo to create uh, four uh, substantial structures, uh, alien sci-fi looking, uh, using a combination of random discards and wastes from the local recycling centers to create a kind of uh, organic, synthetic, hybrid alien <laughs> landscape. Wow. <laughs> uh,
2: and do you uh, what do you think of your own work this time around?
4: Um, it's always challenging and uh, and uh, great to be able to to respond to like the the very interesting terrain of the Sydney Meyer. Music Bowl and your weather. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. And, um, Welcome. Uh, no, I love it. It is a uh, winter festival. <laughs> yes, so. it is. I've I've, I've learned uh, the definition of a Melbourne winter <laughs> just a uh, few days ago.
2: So. What sort of challenges does the the topography present?
4: Um, well, it's it's always part of uh, doing site specific work, and we've we've gotten used to it. Uh, a lot of uh, the challenge also comes with. Uh, The local materials because I I respond to what is available so it's always different depending on what country what city uh, the material surplus that I am able to find so I uh, with this type of work we're able we should be able to respond well uh, uh, provide solutions on the spot uh, because you know it's it's uh, uh, limit time and you have to do it there, then and there. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, how, what do you recommend for people exploring to, to do? How, how much time and how would you like them to engage with the space?
4: Um, well, uh, the works that we did it responds to everything else thats that you'll find within uh, the, the festival grounds. You know, it, it works really well with the nature, with the layout of the different structures. Uh, and the lighting. So, you know, you just really need to uh, be open and transport yourself to what what the, the festival has to offer.
2: Yeah. Uh, do you give the aliens names or is that <laughs> private?
4: Um, yes, but I don't share it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a personal relationship. Yeah, yeah. 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 What about the uh, the inflation? Is there, Was that a ceremonial kick for you when you see things inflated?
4: Oh, my... My works aren't the inflated works, right? Um, but there yeah.
2: there's inflatable sculptures yes, present. Yeah,
4: but they they do help uh, uh, transform and they speak to each other because the the materials that I use are a bit more um, rigid and uh, you know they're made out of bamboo and plastic. So there was a great contrast between Tin and Ed's work, you know, uh, when all those inflated aliens um, suddenly uh, took form and uh, kind of responded to. The, the aliens that I made, you know, um, which uh, are very different in terms of, you know, materials yeah. and uh, shapes. So, yeah, uh, it just completely transformed the mm. the terrain into something other. <laughs>
0: this isn't the first time you've used recycled materials in your works. Can you talk about what how important that is to you to reuse things?
4: Um, it happened quite organically, actually, the course of my practice uh i before i would also use all sorts of new uh, uh everyday objects you know uh i would g- buy them from like the local huge market districts in the philippines but eventually through my conversations with the people who experienced my work the uh, there was this uh you know uh affinity for the materials that i would Uh, use but were just collected or donated or repurposed and eventually uh, I challenged myself to rely strictly on that uh, since I use all sorts of materials why not focus on what's available Mm. I want to ask unfortunately
2: uh, not unfortunately I don't know Uh, Look, Lady Gaga what does that do for (laughs) someone like you
4: Um, to collaborate (laughs) well I, I just you know call it dumb luck actually that was like more than ten years ago and I think that was a time when uh, she had an army of stylists just looking for you know r- crazy stuff online for cause she was wearing maybe ten different outfits in a day so you know we were just like one of the lucky few who you know caught their radar and uh I sent the piece. Uh By courier we didn't even have to go you know it's 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 it, and it, it's hit hit or miss you know you know you you never know if they're gonna use it and we we were just uh i was surprised to see it being worn in the Mary Knight music video so <laughs> <laughs> that was a
2: surprise i didn't tell you
4: no you know you you don't really know where they just borrow stuff you just that send it and off and then exactly so yeah really just up.
2: <laughs> so kicking off tonight, th- this is multi-sensory in a very real way, isn't it? when we're strolling the grounds, uh, can you describe the you know, the audio landscape or uh, th- that we encounter when mm-hmm. we a- approach this first night of rising?
4: Um, well, there are there is a lot of stuff happening, you know like uh, ambient noise, people skating and there's even a choir. Uh, that accompanies the the skaters uh, in the 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 skating area, and uh, on the other side, you know all sorts of um, the food uh, element. You know the 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 sensory experience you get from that, the smoke from the giant grill, um, the, uh, the 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 giant monitors showing uh, some uh, alien animation as you dine. So, you know, it's really... There's so much stuff, so many different things to actually look forward to.
2: When you're uh, working on something so ornate and big, are you ever at risk personally for your safety? Are you ever, like, hanging upside down, trying to fit something in, going, what the hell am I doing?
4: Um, those are the moments that I look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's uh, it's part of the adventure. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's... I literally make... <laughs> I, I determine how uh how the form takes shape and i know what i'm getting into uh so by now i'm sort of used to it uh i am still getting used to like the, the local safety protocols which is you know noth- Strict? nothing back home like, uh, <laughs> they, they just leave us climbing on uh, the the thing itself the bamboo <laughs> you know uh, oh
0: no, no we hard. love oh practices here <laughs> uh, I'm,
4: I'm learning to love it myself <laughs>
2: You came in wearing high V's, and we respect you. Oh, uh, I, I love the high V's. I
4: always have one when I'm in my pocket now.
2: Um, and so, uh, just curious, where, where are you off to next? What's on the. Are you going um, to Burning Man?
4: I am in, uh, uh, currently working on my piece for Burning Man, which I, I received the grant on the day that the world went into lockdown. Mm-hmm. So, they actually allowed us to build it. Wherever we wanted at that time, because you know there was there was no festival happening. Yeah, so it's uh, I'm building it uh, in a small surf town, four hours away from Manila, by the beach, uh, which I love. Uh, yeah, so it's it's currently in the works, and we're uh, yeah we're hoping to be finished in a few months. Beautiful.
2: Um, Just finally, can I ask about the role of art and your exhibits in bringing people together and bringing life to a place after this hideous, protracted period of not doing much?
4: Um, Well, we always find ways to preoccupy ourselves. Um, I guess that comes with the training of being a creative in the Philippines. It's... It has always been sort of a 24-7 disaster response. The way we see it, it's a, it's, 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 we do really well with chaos. I know it's not, you know, it, we shouldn't, but we've, we've learned to be able to, um, yeah, respond really well and uh, make the most out of the situation.
2: Yeah, right. Well, to enjoy Leroy's work, Head to rising.melbourne. The Wilds is taking place at Sydney Myer Music Bowl and kicks off tonight uh, at 5pm. Where will you be?
4: I'll be there, hiding. (laughs) You'll see me kicking in and out of, you know, some alien. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Whose name we'll never, ever know. Yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll write it in the one of the cubicles <laughs> 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 thanks
2: for, uh, Leroy New multidisciplinary artist in town for rising rising.melbourne and uh, the wilds is his creation check it out and Leroy thanks so much for chatting with us oh, this morning
4: thank you
3: triple Ah we're science elastic tubes and pots and bins bits and
7: pieces and
4: magic from my hand we're science we're science
2: What a balm for Dr Jen to join us for Weird Science on a Wednesday. Good morning, Dr Jen.
7: Good morning. Well, particularly because you gave such a good segue in the news, Mm. talking about microplastics. Thanks for noticing. Yeah. Look, I was sitting out in the green room. I noticed. Thank (laughs) you. So microplastics, bad, right? Yes. Yeah. So I saw an article a couple of weeks ago in Nautilus magazine, and the headline was, um, you eat a credit card's worth of plastic. Every week. Every week? And I went, come on. So so think about it. So that's five grams of plastic every week, which if you, you know, do the sums, that's about 21 grams of plastic a month and over 250 grams of plastic a year. And I like baking. So 250 grams for me, that's a block of butter. Right. That's a lot of plastic. That's too
0: much, I would say.
7: I I would say quite (laughs) a lot too much. Anyway, so I thought, well, hang on, come on. Is that actually true? This is, you know, an American-based Article, surely that's not true in Australia, so I thought I'd better do a bit of research. And it turned out that actually that, that, that's not a new headline. The World Wildlife Fund and researchers at the University of Newcastle put out exactly the same thing two years ago, or three yeah. years ago now, back in 2019, saying exactly the same thing, that that's basically how much, and in Australia, that's how much plastic we're um, ingesting. And they found the single largest source of plastic was water, um, bottled water. So anyone who's drinking bottled water, you might want to stop right now. But also beer, salt and, of course, seafood particularly, shellfish. So
0: beer would be just through the manufacturing process and things like that? I
7: assume so. Um. I don't know for sure. Um, But obviously you'd think bottled water, it's through the bottle itself? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so I guess – so, you know, let's go back to kind of a bit of what you were talking about, Daniel. So we know that every minute – People around the world are going to buy a million plastic bottles and use two million plastic bags. So that's why we need these bans on single-use plastics because that's massive. right? That's every minute around the world. And we know that we've produced enough um, bubble wrap to – sorry, that every year we produce enough bubble wrap to go around the equator ten times. (gasps) So that's pretty shocking. That's a that's a horrifying image, but <laughs> I know. that's a, it's a
2: horrifying statistic, but a pretty fun image. But kind
7: of cool, yeah. <laughs> I know, cuz it kind of makes you think, can I just go sliding around the equator <laughs> <laughs> popping all the bubbles? <laughs> bop, bop, bop. But but I mean it's a really recent problem, right? We only started producing synthetic plastics in 1907. We only went into big kind of mass production in the 1940s, but yet today we produce 400 million tonnes of plastic every year. So that's more than the weight of the entire human population. So think of every human on earth, in one hand, how much do they weigh? We produce more plastic in a year than that every weight. Year. Every year.
2: That's outrageous. So outrageous. How much
7: microplastic,
2: and forgive me if this is a stupid question as they all are, but the, how much of microplastics is just regular plastic shedding?
7: Pretty much all of it. Right. Yeah, so what you were talking about earlier with the microbeads, so that's, you know, you think of kind of cleaning and beauty products that have these little tiny balls of plastic that we all got conned into thinking somehow made our skin better. I mean, what a joke. But anyway, but, you know, <laughs> that's now been banned in, in a lot of countries. I think, I think it we have it, to be we? 12 countries, including Australia. So Australia took longer to ban microbeads than some other countries. But that's, that's not really the problem. The problem is that every time we use plastic – you know, it's a you know, every time you grab a supermarket bag you're making a five hundred year decision because that's how long it's gonna take to break down. So when we talk microplastics, we're talking anything less than five millimetres in length. And I would think I mean I'm totally guessing here but you know 99% of that is just other plastics that have broken down mm. so think plastic bags think straws think takeaway containers think tea bags think wet wipes tea bags think, yeah, a lot of tea bags have got plastic in them particularly you know the little paper labels a lot of them have got um, a plastic coating and sometimes the actual tea bag itself is kind of like a synthetic-y you know oh, thing I that doesn't break down in the well compost. some of them are mm. some of them are contact lenses you know people who wear disposable contact lenses like me you know if you don't think about how you dispose and like, oh, I'll just chuck it in the toilet, you know, it'll just flush away. Of course, that ends up in the ocean and everything basically breaks down. Straws, I mean, just any sort of plastic eventually gets broken down into lots and lots of little bits and that's what we're talking about with microplastics. So microbeads are a tiny, tiny part of the problem essentially. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> literally tiny.
0: Um, but... Bans have come in. Plastic bag bans have been around worldwide. Maybe we're slow on the uptake for a long time and straws are now harder to come by. Like, have they made any impact in the stats?
7: I don't know. I haven't heard that there's any improvement. I mean, the things that we keep hearing are just how widespread microplastics are now so you know you've seen the headlines the the remote Pyrenees mountains I think they found something like um, every day there was about 300 I think 300 pieces per square meter in the Pyrenees mountains they were finding were being deposited just coming in on the air you know tip of Mount Everest the the summit of Mount Everest there's microplastics Antarctica we now know there's microplastics Um, and not it's not just in the air and on the surface of the ocean it's also really deep so you know the Mariana Trench which is like the deepest part of the ocean they found microplastics in fish guts, the fish that live down there. So essentially, you know, this is the ultimate alien. It has infiltrated every single place that we could imagine, um,
8: which just, I don't
7: know, it just makes me feel sad and sorry. And I You're wish meant we to could come here with back. solutions though. No, what are <laughs> <questions>? no, no <laughs> I've, got, I've got no solutions today. <laughs> I just want us to think about the fact that the air we breathe, the food we eat, the, you know, what we drink, basically plastic is, is everywhere. And probably, so they've estimated that 40% of the human diet contains plastic, and that's probably a big underestimate because we haven't so worked out. That is
2: disgusting.
7: Yeah, it is. And we haven't yet worked out how to reliably identify um, levels of plastic in meat and vegetables and grains. And so so that's o- an underestimate.
0: What about the effects? If we're all eating a credit card's worth of plastic a year? Yep. Oh. Um What's, do you know, do it, the yeah, health impacts? That's a week. Crita oh, gross. Okay. a week, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to eat the weeds in my garden, the digger toss. <laughs> no, no, no.
7: They've probably got plastic in them too. But like what what, what, what do you know what health impacts that's having? Well, so that's the, that's the question. That's um. exactly the question that we're trying to work out now. And, you know, we know that it's in our bodies because it's been found in poo. Like, you know, every study that looks at poo says, oh, what a surprise. Not, there's plastic in here. <gasps> placenta, they found poo, they've found plastics in human placenta. So something as new and freshly grown as a <gasps> placenta, you know, it only lasts for, you know, less than a year. So but that's exactly the question. So what does it do to us? So if we think about marine animals, you think about fish, you find most of the plastics in their gills and in their guts. So it would make sense that it's the same in humans. So think lungs and think stomachs and intestines, essentially. But the problem is it's really hard to study because, Bobby, if I said, hey, Bobby, would you like to be in a study where I feed you plastic and we see what it does to you?
1: Absolutely not. I'll do that on my own (laughs) (laughs) thing. But would you like to have more just to see what it does? (laughs) Hard pass, thank
7: you. Yeah, so it's difficult, right? Mm. Like how, how can we study it? So we're left with studies of kind of looking back on what's happened to people. So one of the earliest studies was in the late 1990s where they looked at um, a group of people in the US who worked in a nylon factory. And it turned out that people in this factory had three times higher rates of lung cancer than other people who lived in that community who didn't live in this factory. And of course some of these people died of lung cancer and when they did the post-mortems they found these little nylon fragments in their lungs that had caused all these problems. But that was published in the late 1990s and people now reckon it didn't really get picked up for 15 years because they didn't call them microplastics, they called them nylon flock or nylon <laughs> flocking. And people didn't go, but hang on, nylon is just kind of plastic. That's sort of the same thing. So we've had evidence for ages that breathing in these tiny bits of plastic can cause lung cancer, but it didn't sort of get talked about in that same language that we picked up on that was microplastics. But basically, we know we breathe it in. We know that if it's small enough, it can pass through organs and the kind of various barriers It can get into our bloodstream. It can get into our lungs, obviously, and cause problems. But we don't know. You know, there's different sizes, shapes, colours, chemical compositions – all plastic is not the same and we we have some hints from animal studies like you've probably heard about um, endocrine disruptors which basically is you know things that disrupt our hormone system we know impacts on ovaries impacts on sperm there's a lot of research going on including right here in melbourne among some of my colleagues looking at how plastics can interrupt um, reproductive systems but we you know there's a whole lot of stuff we don't know so we're all living this big experiment. You know, we know our bodies identify plastic as foreign and mount an inflammatory response and maybe that's why inflammatory bowel disease is is suddenly much more prevalent in young people than it ever used to be. Maybe it's the plastic. What a devastating goal Don't know. (laughs) Uh,
2: And yeah, as you say it's inescapable, bottom of the Mariana trench and in a placenta, what are you going to do? I mean that's the thing. Are you just going
7: to refuse to breathe or or eat? Like that's kind of is a listener
2: clock that you know the New South Wales Environment Minister said that the ban on single-use plastics will
7: include cotton buds.
0: Oh, yeah, the single-use cotton buds.
7: Yeah. But some of
0: them are now made with recycled materials.
7: I mean, that's the thing. There's a lot of alternatives out there, but I guess that then comes down to privilege, doesn't it? Because a lot of the alternatives are more expensive yeah, or harder yeah. to get access to. So it's very hard for someone who's desperately struggling to get food on the table to say, well, you shouldn't be buying that brand of tea bag because it's not as environmentally yeah. friendly. You know, that, that becomes really difficult.
0: What about um? someone's asked about, not that this is a text in segment, but like what <laughs> if someone asked about um like a reusable drink bottles, sports bottles. Does there any, is it, do you know about that?
7: Well, I think, you know, you can read the labels that talk about whether they use BPA. And, you know, I think there are definitely better ones out there. But look, I don't pretend to be an expert on all the different kinds of plastic, but I think we can all do a bit of research. And I think the main thing is being knowledgeable about trying to choose better options Mm -hmm. whenever you can. And the main thing is just trying to reduce demand. You know, the current stats show that in 2020, we manufactured 367 million metric tons of plastics, and it's predicted that that's going to triple by 2050. So every year, yeah, you know, like that's just unfathomable. Hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of
2: uh, SodaStream bottles as well. Have yeah. an expiry date. You have to look yeah. for that. Really? Yes. Yeah, they
7: do. But then,
0: you're, then you're weighing it up because then you're buying a new plastic I bottle. Oh yeah, you just really. like, so can't well, you just keep life's the a old
2: bottle? Oh <laughs> I mean, beer, it could be 50% plastic. The beer's not off the list. <laughs> Gluten-free beer, though, yeah, but mainly yeah, exactly. plastic. The yeah, cotton buds, though, I'm going to, back to de-waxing my ears with a pencil. <laughs> uh, okay, sorry or, to leave you about
7: Or just leave your ears, mate. <laughs>
2: yeah, all right. Uh, good, just, yeah, good to point <laughs> out. Uh, Dr. Jen, thanks so much.
5: Melbourne's Own. Triple R.
1: Had a friend uh, give me a text yesterday and say she was in the neighbourhood and if I wouldn't mind her popping in, which I thought was lovely. Don't often have a pop in these days. Everything, especially, and you know me, I normally have a 48-hour <laughs> <Yes>, Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, I can't have you in here. I'm far too busy. I'll see you on Saturday, okay, between <laughs> 12 and 2. <laughs> uh, but she popped in, which was lovely. Um, it, it, I guess it's courteous if you're in the neighbourhood and, and you send a text. It's not too often that we have uh, people just ringing the doorbell or knocking on your door unannounced anymore. Uh, My dad, though, he does live nearby, so he has done it. Um, He rang the doorbell. It's interesting the reaction when um, someone knocks and you're not expecting anyone. I was like, who's that? Are you expecting someone? Mm. Well, I'm not expecting someone. Well, who's going to... And there's this whole conversation. Meanwhile, my dad's just standing there waiting. Um, I live in an apartment building, so we've got an intercom with a camera so we Mm. can actually see who's there. So, I mean... We could ignore them if we wanted to. I didn't ignore Dad at the time. Um, <laughs> I did let him let him come in. Uh, but my uh, Winnie, our little dog, whenever that alarm goes off, uh, the alarm, the intercom goes off, she knows now that that means someone's coming. So she will jump up, she'll bark, and then she'll stand at the door, like in a position of she's about to pounce. Mm. So she is just so eager. Whenever that rings, uh, she's a little bit upset when it's just a delivery that we go downstairs right. and get. Uh, but if, if it's a guest, she knows it's a guest and she just waits there. How
2: are you supposed to uh, behave when you know that you're on camera having pressed the intercom? Do you smile? Like, do you smile? Is it like a passport photo where you or do you pretend do you... that you know it's, you pretend that you're not being watched?
0: Do you get right
1: up into it? Like, push, push yeah. your face right up to it, you know, give them a real yeah, nostril like, shot. Yeah, huge
2: head and then tiny legs <laughs> as you.
1: I think some people don't realise there's a camera. They just think it's an intercom. Yeah. So some of them are aware, others are not. Uh, Dad, he talks really loudly anyway. I don't think we need the intercom. <laughs> but he, will, he will put his face up to it uh, and, and talk loudly into it. Um, but, you know, I remember when I was uh, growing up, we used to have pop-ins all the time. Mum would love it when we had people popping in. Oh, pop-ins are great. Oh, should, should oh hello, I'll oh, come in. You want to stay for dinner? It was a full occasion. Mum would just get so excited when we had visitors. But nowadays I think it's a little bit more like, oh, I mean, you should have let us know. Well,
0: like because we, you, it's much easier to. Like you Yeah, have,
1: that's true. If you, you didn't have mobile phones. Mobile phones, yeah.
0: So, so if you you're in, just... the, in the neighbourhood, oh, I'll just pop in and see who's home. Yeah. It's risky.
1: Just popping in? Oh, oh yeah. definitely, of course. Like I
0: love the pop in, but it's usually preceded by a little text, like "Hey, I'm around." Of course, mm.
2: I got a ten minute pop in morning yesterday.
0: Ten minutes? A ten minutes? Yeah, Ooh. which
2: I was. And the the amount of cleaning up you can do in ten minutes <laughs> <laughs> really puts a firecracker up you. That's why pop ins are fantastic. You need yeah. the thread of pop
1: ins, yes, yeah. to keep you on your toes, to keep your house presentable, yes, definitely. To keep
0: your hair clean. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do hate a cancellation of someone that was going to pop in. It's like, I've just tidied this whole no. goddamn house. Oh, yeah. You Not can't for cancel me. a pop in. For you.
0: For yeah, Christ you can't sake. be spontaneous both ways. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can't be spontaneous in initiating and spontaneous in cancelling.
2: You can't <laughs> what do could that. possibly have happened in the intervening after the interest of the pop in to then cancel the pop in? Well, as
0: I said, happened yesterday. Yesterday, I said, happened. Um, friends offered to, to pop in and visit Will. Yes. And said, oh, hey, what are you doing right now? And he's like, oh, I'm actually out, N- haven't been out much, but I'll be back all afternoon. And they said, oh, no, come, t- come to us instead. So they're just like, oh, we're in the area, now we've gone home, we can't be bothered seeing you anymore. Yeah, right. Oh, look, so,
2: I understand the window, you know, the ships in the night
0: thing. Well, that that's why, if you're not there anymore.
1: Yeah. I did have a friend, though, who said she was popping in, so I did tidy up, and then she's like, sorry, I've actually run out of time, so I can't. And I'm just like, well, no, you have to come now. Yeah. <laughs> I put the kettle on, <laughs> get here.
2: Yeah. I made a nice... It- a huge pot of coffee like, <laughs> yeah. for the pop-in. And I was like dusting it off. like yeah. Sitting there. Yeah. Oh, I got soda water out.
1: Soda water. Oh, <laughs> with Fancy. ice.
2: Oh, I was like, I was so, I was real Nigella. I don't yeah. know. Martha Stewart, whatever.
1: <laughs> Huey. Martha, uh, Huey, yeah. Uh, have you guys ever done the pop-in? Have you popped into someone's place? Like, not just recently, but, like, back in the day. I reckon I did it when I was – when I just got a car. So I was 18 to early 20s. Oh, if yeah. I was with another mate from uni and we're like, what do you want to do? Let's go to Let's go to Whitey's house. Oh. And you'd just rock up and see what they're doing and then you'd hang out.
2: Oh, yeah. When you
1: had, you know, casual jobs and stuff. 100%. Lots of time. Yeah. Not, not since. No. I mean, uh, we're adults now.
2: No, no but, yeah, but you're right. Like, a, a pop-in – was fun. I mean, there was, you know, you'd sit and watch someone play video games. Now, that is... <laughs>
1: I've got nothing else in there. That but... is a real slovenly pop-in. <laughs> yeah, no one's putting the kettle on or cleaning up. You just... The but door's open. <laughs>
0: this is what I was going to be doing. You want to pop in. You watch me do what yeah, I was exactly. Do anyway. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um. Yeah. Uh, but, and that's, you know, what about Neighbours? I mean, so how many sitcoms are based on pop-ins?
1: Heaps. Oh, of course. They're all...
2: They live in this fantasy pop-in world
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. that isn't
2: replicable... In real life,
1: my God, Seinfeld just continuously popping. Yeah, yeah, the whole show is popping. People ins. just popping in. Why isn't there a show called The popping
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, no, no one calls ahead in sitcoms.
0: No. no. Mm. A lot of detail. And no out.
2: one's locking doors in sitcoms either.
0: Or mm. all your friends have keys, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, one thing yes. I don't
2: like. I don't like about. Here's what you do with the time when the intercom is open. Uh, so they are buzzed up if you're living in an apartment, uh, and so you have, let's say, I don't know, twenty seconds. Yeah, the, something like that, yeah. uh, I think you open the – you keep the door ajar, let themselves in.
1: Yeah. Uh, you don't want
2: to greet them at the door like some, you know, <laughs> like stiff more. butler.
0: Oh, Okay.
2: Yeah, and then you're like just lounging on the yeah. shade,
0: Negative. Yeah. <laughs> clothes off, playing video games. With,
2: with your warm beer, <laughs> <laughs> a
0: towel draped, undies on the floor. I've been there for days.
1: And not see up morning. W-
2: welcome. I've been waiting for you.
1: This is how I live. I'm mm. gross. Yeah. Well, yeah. oh, we've got a heavy door. Can't do that. What a bugger. What do you mean? What do you mean a heavy door? So like you open it and it automatically closes. It doesn't stay open? We use a door stopper. Yeah. Put Winnie I, in
0: there.
1: Put, put, you, Winnie. Oh, the Winnie. <laughs> you Winnie the will 20? run out and she will jump on anyone and everyone. She loves her. How do you open the door if it's that heavy? Oh, no. I mean, we open it when they get there, but I couldn't just leave it ajar. You know what I mean? It's like a security thing. It's like a toilet seat that always closes. Yeah, but so it's 20 closed, seconds
0: closed. while you prepare. For their entrance. Mm. Listen, she's got the heavy door down. Oh, fine. She's got a heavy door for Christ i, like, I my heavy door. Sorry. <laughs> do you think it's a pop, if it's a pop-in, if it's a pop-in, do you have to bring something? Like I'm popping in or I'll bring us, I'll get us coffees or I'll get us a treat or, or do you, can you just rock up empty-handed? You know, if you go to someone's house for dinner, you should bring something.
1: Yeah. Um, if it's a pop-in, what's the etiquette? Well, I Flowers. think... No, I'm allergic to most. But no, oh, yeah. <laughs> no she did offer to bring some biscuits, but we had so many. But I did like that she offered. Yeah. It's like I'm coming over. It's, yes, I think you should. That just pop in. I
0: popped into someone's house a couple of weeks ago actually who lives near the studio. Mm-hmm. And I which I could do, I don't know. I just was like, "Oh, I'm I've got I'm, got, I'm going to go to the bakery near your house. Are you Very around?" And I'm like, "Yes, that would be great." You mm. know. And then I think I was like, "Well, I I'm quite hungry because I haven't eaten, you know, all morning." <laughs> <laughs> I brought them something, too, but then I just <laughs> ate, like, my breakfast on the couch. Right. So, yeah, like, maybe I won't be welcome back. But it was really nice. I was like, oh, the pop-in's so nice. Just pop it in. nice Yeah, Bye. you mastered
2: the pop-in. Someone brought around a coffee for me. I'm like, I don't want – I'll get my own coffee. Oh. I don't want your cold <laughs> Convene store <laughs> shit
1: coffee. You thoughtful son of a bitch. <laughs> and then I,
2: I eyeball them while I pour it down the sink.
4: <laughs> Get out.
0: But you will stay here. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
6: Triple R. Triple R.
2: Looking cinema this week. We're over the moon to see in studio flick forward PhD candidate in screen studies at Melbourne Uni, board member of Melbourne Cinema Tech, and of course host of Triple R's weekly film show and podcast, Primal Screen Flick. Welcome back to Breakfasters.
6: Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> it's lovely to be on air. Usually a, a, yes, a night out. Exactly. But <laughs> I'm a morning person. I don't though.
2: think the sun's even up.
6: Yeah, twelve
0: hours earlier than you used to. So thank yeah. you. <laughs>
6: uh, what, have, what have you been up to? Well, um, I've well, I've actually got my PhD completion <laughs> seminar today, so I've been a very stressed uh, little bunny. But I have did fit in time to watch uh, Top Gun Maverick. Brilliant. last Ooh. night. Um, I was super pumped to watch this actually. So, uh, yeah, I for people who I haven't watched Top Gun the OG since, uh, I think since I was a kid and mm. I was on like VHS or TV or something. So this was, I, I. I just to, for listeners, you don't need to have seen the original mm. to enjoy Top Gun Maverick. However, real fans of the first one, I think, will get a lot more out of this. I think it's the classic sequel. So this is uh, directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who also directed Tron Legacy from 2010. It, uh, we've got Tommy Cruise returning as Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Uh, It is, of course, a sequel, as I said, to Tony Scott's 1986 homoerotic classic, Top Gun, (laughs) uh, which is all about students at Navy's elite fighter weapons school who are competing to be the best in the class. And one daring young pilot learns a uh, a few things from a civilian instructor that aren't taught in the classroom. And that is kind of the premise of what Top Gun is. But this time it's a little bit different. So Top Gun Maverick came out last week. And it was actually scheduled to come out at the start of 2020. Um, Obviously we had something of a pandemic, so (laughs) it has been released two years later. It's scoring super high on audience reviews, and I think part of that might be that we're a little bit battle-weary from Mm. the pandemic, and we need a bit of comfort, a splash of nostalgia, so this film just fits it perfectly, and I think that's why it's doing so well at the box office. Uh, I was convinced it would be trash. Like, I love Top Gun, original, without any irony. This is how it's performing, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Box office takings aren't always a sign of a good quality film, but... It is, yeah, I have to say that it is the first time that a film starring Cruise has broken the $100 million mark on the opening weekend. And it's also the highest opening non-superhero movie that's been released since the pandemic began. So we're seeing a bit of a shift, maybe a return of those beloved actions from the 80s and 90s. It is a a very earnest film. Um, I I feel like it is very much a homage to the OG. However... um, I feel like there's some key shifts. So we do have of course Tom Cruise and we've also got Val Kilmer returning to What this. really? I mean, yeah. I, mean, I didn't think he was fit well, to act anymore. Yeah. Well, he he's got a he's got a small role, but it's very significant moments. We also have a Jennifer- J Iceman. Yeah, <laughs> Iceman, of course. Um uh, I'm not I don't think it's a spoiler to say that Goose dies at the end of <gasps> of Top Gun. It's a 30-year-old film, which is probably okay. Yeah, 36 years years old, yeah. Um, Yeah, it makes me feel old. (laughs) Um, But it is – yeah, it's got a whole host of stars. We've got Jennifer Connelly, who I personally love, as um, Penny, who was a character in the original, but um, she was sort of a young 16-year-old girl, so obviously played by a different actor is fine. Uh, Ed Harris, we've got John Hamm, who's really well cast as Admiral Bo Cyclone Simpson, and Miles Teller as Goose's son, Rooster – um, so I, it's kind of it's a the main focus of this film is on this relationship between Miles Teller and um, and Maverick um, so so Goose and and sorry Rooster I'm getting on my Goose's, birds yeah. <laughs> Goose's son Rooster yeah. who um, and the, and this kind of tension between them um, and it's really interesting this is probably one of the first films. Uh, Apart from, you know, War of the Worlds, where where Tom Cruise is in this kind of fatherly role, he's really this stand-in father role to to Rooster. And it's a very conflicted space, um, you know, because of Goose, Goose's death. So um, most of this film – I mean, it's a really interesting. It's got this – there is, of course, a top-secret mission that comes up and there's only one man who can do it um, – <laughs> Well, actually, there's an entire squad of these talented young fighter pilots, um, the cream of the crop. So it's actually – Mav isn't the hero in this. He's the teacher. So it's a real role reversal that we're seeing. Um, and, he's yeah, he's tasked with this seemingly impossible mission. Um, Tom Cruise has recently awarded an honorary Palme d'Or at Cannes Film Festival. I don't know if you knew about this. Um, for his career in film, um, notably not – Top Gun Maverick. But I think it's really interesting because one of the things that Tom Cruise has come out and said is that. He, he does all of his own stunts and in fact um, this film features um, the, a World War II P-51 Mustang which is actually Tom Cruise's own airplane and he's he's a pilot in real what? life. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, oh, I not know that. So this idea of really authentic action on screen is kind of what defines Tom Cruise and we see this. And, you know, a big part of the narrative is about, you know, he's not, you know, age doesn't matter, yeah. that these these fighter pilots and you know this fighter pilot from a different era but also these planes from a different era uh, are just as valued today so Mm. it's an interesting one I didn't I don't love the um there's a bit of a love interest narrative with Jennifer Connelly um the dialogue in on the whole is kind of corny and a bit too earnest for my taste but I loved all of the times where they were supersonic all of the dogfights in the air exceptional oh good and
2: how are they shot cinematically like is it? Does it just blow you away or have we become accustomed after 36 years of action sequences?
6: Well, I think it's actually the mastery of a really good... Um Action scene is is all in the editing, and it's done exceptionally well. And there's a great um, pace to it and believability to it. In fact, I think a lot of the young actors got really sick during the filming scenes in the plane. So um, I think there's very much this film is anchored by an authenticity. There is also a very um, very shirtless, very buff uh, beach. Uh, football scene <gasps> that Tom Cruise insisted on everyone getting super fit for. So lots of six-packs. Interestingly, I just have to say, interestingly enough, women are not placed at the centre of this film, which is maybe an obvious thing to say about Top Gun, but they really their bodies as well aren't sexualised in the same mm. way that a lot of the men's bodies are. And I think that's really interesting and it harks back to earlier actions of the 80s and 90s. Mm. So, um, yeah. I mean, 36 years to reprise a character and to be
2: a juggernaut. It's mm. pretty special, isn't
0: Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Is isn't... it is it self-referential at all? Like, do they repeat lines? Like, that, that can be a bit corny sometimes.
6: Yeah, there is, of course. Um, yeah, there is. And there's actually a little bit of flashback. Um, mm. And only a tiny bit. And, you know... Uh, I, I think that it works well because it just anchors it. If you haven't seen the yeah. first Top Gun, it just lets you know, okay, there's a bit of beef here. <laughs> there's a bit of trauma. There's a bit of history to this. Um, is it loud? Is it really loud? Um, I saw it. I mean, no, not especially. But I think that – um, I think it's just really well communicated. Like, the, it's really well – it's just like – you know when you're watching a 90s action and you just get very satisfied – maybe this is just me, but you get very satisfied on the fact that it just hits all the marks mm. – And Top Gun Maverick does that. I don't think it's the best film. People have been raving about this. I think that maybe we're just... uh, (laughs) Nostalgic. uh, Yeah, and I think our taste has been maybe we're... um, It's been skewed a little bit. I don't think it's the quality cinema. I think we're just excited that it's not terrible maybe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you think actors that get cast alongside Tom Cruise are a little bit weary? Like, oh, we're going to have to work really hard in this role. (laughs) We're going to have to do everything legit.
6: Yeah, well, I know that Miles Teller had to fight hard for the role. He was actually... He and um, several other young actors, I think Nicholas Holt was in the mix and someone else, but they were flown to Tom Cruise's house to basically audition for him, which is interesting the way you think about star power from that time and it's really changed. Um, But yeah, Tom Cruise still has that real hold on it and he likes to be across every aspect of the film and I think that's actually what has made this, you know, a decent film. I
2: was watching the original Top Gun last night in preparation for seeing you and it was interesting to see at the end, uh, it said that the, it was based on Top Guns, which was an article in California Magazine. And I just love that this juggernaut of a... From an article? Yeah. It, yeah, like, is it a franchise
0: now? Or can
2: it can you be a franchise <laughs> with a 36-year hiatus or whatever? But kind of like the bling ring was based on a Vanity Fair article. Yeah, I just, like,
0: right. I wonder if they get any...
6: Kickbacks? Probably, Probably not. not. <laughs> I, think I
2: didn't say it didn't say based on it. it. Says suggested by. Well,
6: you've yeah. got you've got films based on tweets now, so yeah, you know, right. I mean, yeah. it could be anything. Interestingly enough, just on to the original Top Gun, that actually led to a five hundred percent uptick in the number of re- new recruits for the U.S. Navy um, <gasps> aviation division. Yeah, yeah, no surprises. And this one, I know it's a military action. Actually, the the target is completely – they give you a GPS location. You don't have any idea of actually what country or even if it's a domestic uh, dispute. It's unclear who the villain is in this film and I think that's really interesting. There's no, mm. like, message from the president. They wipe a lot of that that classic sort of um, nationhood that creeps into military action. It's, yeah. complete, it's almost – it's a very comfortable film and it keeps it very safe in, in terms of politics. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so
2: I, I understand that uh, aviation fans – you know, if you're paying attention, maybe there's some mistakes. Sure. Um, no,
0: well, Tom Cruise is really flying the plane, though. So. Well, I mean... that's right.
2: But I think, like, if a, I read somewhere that if the plane goes at the speed that they say, it becomes too hot oh. uh, and it becomes easy to track and also has to fly in a straight line and is easy to shoot down. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, all right. The mm. science
6: is wrong on this one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, but who cares? Yeah. Um, all right. So just it's I, – I shouldn't be embarrassed about – really being excited.
6: No, no. And, like, I absolutely love Tom Cruise. I genuinely do. Not, uh, obviously, the Scientology Tom Cruise, (laughs) just the on-screen Tom Cruise. I think he's one of the best... Uh, actors we've got. And I, I mean that very genuinely. I, I really love watching him on screen. And I actually love that there's a mature um, – it's a graduation of his character and he's not just playing the same old Tom Cruise. He actually gets humiliated a whole lot in this film. And that is one of the most pleasurable things about one of his earlier films, The Edge of Tomorrow, is the fact that he gets just like – Humiliated by um, <laughs> Emily Blunt several times and fails because we're so used to him as this impenetrable action hero. Yeah. So to see him just being like un un sort of in this weird like teacher slash father role, mm. he's actually not in a comfortable position and he really struggles. And I think he's he really communicates it well.
2: All right, Top Gun Maverick, it's everywhere, making lots of money. Flick forward. Thanks for being here.
6: <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Ripple R.
2: James Wellesby is founder and director of Yummy, the multi-award winning cabaret company that incorporates drag, dance, circus, burlesque and that has toured over 50 festivals in Australia and around the world. After taking out the People's Choice Award at last year's Melbourne Fringe, Best Cabaret at Fringe World in 2019 and the Green Room Award for Best Production, Yummy returns to Melbourne with Yummy Iconic, a wild queer pop cabaret. And to tell us about it before the production leaves for London, the creator and acclaimed MC joins us now. James, welcome to Breakfasters.
3: G'day, gorgeous. How's it
2: going? Um, it's <laughs> such a pleasure to have you here. Yummy has a, a cult following, a unique aesthetic. C- can you invite us into the world of Yummy and what you do?
3: Well, uh, we started Yummy in 2015 and it was just a one-off event at the Toffin Town. Uh had a zero dollar budget, like the whole thing was just thrown together. And I remember when the curtains opened I saw 300 faces staring back at me and I started laughing because I was like, <laughs> how did you people find out about this? So it started with a bang and it's just kind of gone from strength to strength ever since. Uh, so it's, um, it's a drag show that incorporates a uh, full gender spectrum. We've always had as many women in the show as other genders, uh, which I think is unique for a drag show. Um, we have slowly been building up our international profile like since we started touring in 2018. And uh, we took the show to Edinburgh Fringe. It did super well over there. We got a five star review in The Scotsman, and that helped kind of launch it. And so we're, um, we were in South Bank in London, uh, let me see, three years ago, 2019. And now we're going back for a second time, and it's literally going to the West End. So we'll be in South Extraordinary. What a, a story. Month. A whole month. A month in all wow. of July. A oh. little drag show from Melbourne. Beautiful.
0: Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. How did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, you're supposed to tell us.
3: <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> um, and tell us about Valerie Hex. So Valerie Hex is my drag alter ego. Uh, Valerie, like a beautiful French woman. <laughs> and Hex, like a, your university debt that you never pay off. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm the MC of this show, sort of a ringmaster of sorts. I uh, crack the whip and get everybody jumping through hoops and um, it's a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah. Do you
2: have any tips on MCing and how to get people into the yummy headspace, <laughs> having maybe had a tough day?
3: Well, uh, an MC, you know, the the best MCs out there are really just the most experienced. Because as an MC, you got to be able to handle all kinds of surprises, whether that's hecklers, whether that's technical problems. Uh, but really, it's just about <clears throat> the audience trusting you, relaxing, and knowing that we're all there for the same reason, and that's to have a great time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, and when people leave buzzing, what do you? What do you do? Do you, Are you buzzing after a show like the audience is?
3: Well, yeah. The thing that I love about Cabaret is that you have direct address, so there's no fourth wall. Mm. We are all there as a unique collection of people that has never happened before and will never happen again. It's not like a copy-paste. You know there's shows, sometimes you watch a big show and you sort of feel like you're watching a movie. Yep. It's just so uh, perfect and every time. pre maybe. Potentially, yeah. So in cabaret, we don't do that. We make comments about what we see, what we feel. Uh, there's always room for improvising and sometimes it can go in a strange and delightful <laughs> directions. But uh, real genuine connection, I think, is, is the key to cabaret.
2: And um, What constitutes iconic?
3: Uh, so... We've had several different flagship versions of the show over the years. So we had Yummy, Yummy Deluxe, Yummy Unleashed, and now Yummy Iconic. So uh, this show, I think it's kind of sexier than usual, (laughs) if if I may say so. We've kind of upped that uh, side of things. It's really choreographic. um, And I think because I have a dance background, I used to be a professional contemporary dancer and then segued uh, into the glittery side of life, we have this kind of real love of of dance and choreography, and we kind of push that in ways that I think is a bit unique for uh, cabaret shows. Yeah, that it's to be so choreographic. So um, I think just because we've been around, kind of this is our we're moving into our eighth year, and um, we still have some acts that were in it from the very beginning. It's mostly new. I'd say ninety percent of this show is new. But we just always get these massive requests for uh, certain acts to be brought back, and that feels iconic to me. Yeah,
2: are you scouting for talent, or how how does talent come across, and how do you audition?
3: Uh, We we don't audition. I I think we're all connected to our fellow um, industry performers really well. Like I go see shows all the time, uh, and. I just feel like i'm aware of who's out there and who's in the industry Um, we try to keep it consistent and there are several performers like four of us who've been in it since the beginning Uh, so that there has been kind of like a core ensemble and uh, sometimes we have guest artists who might just be there for one season or sometimes we'll have an, an ensemble member who's kind of in it for a couple years but, um, no, we've never held an audition, but uh, send through, feel free to send through <laughs> yeah, a YouTube right. video. Here
0: you go, Daniel. <laughs> uh, please.
2: Uh, because Yummy is am- ambitious, what can go wrong? As an MC? what do you have to be prepared for and what has happened in the past that you've salvaged?
3: Um, well, you don't want to set anybody on fire. <laughs> That's probably some good advice. <laughs> um hecklers are kind of funny but they are part of the show you know what I mean they actually it doesn't bother me because they're they're trying to engage and so I always see things like that as an opportunity to to riff to improvise to have fun and Um, sometimes to just (laughs) invite them up on stage, give them the microphone and say, well, if you're so good, you MC. I'll sit back and have the night off.
1: (laughs) It's interesting. Some MCs get scared of hecklers, uh, understandably, because you don't know what's going to happen. But it sounds like you thrive off it. You're like, bring it on.
3: They replenish my electrolytes. (laughs) They're like Gatorade.
1: And
2: uh, what about the costumes uh, this time around? How, How glamorous are we speaking? Can you speak aesthetically to this?
3: Oh, listen, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but toot, toot. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) The costumes are so good. They're next level. I I don't know quite when the culture kind of began within Yummy, but we do have a very high standard of costume design, and that's because some of the performers, like four of them, have backgrounds in costume design as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if, if your shoes don't match comments will be made (laughs) there there is no escaping it Uh, and i think it's it's one thing we take very very seriously it is a a nightmare in terms of excess baggage and Mm. we still haven't figured out how the hell we're going to get all these enormous costumes over to london but listeners if any of you are flying to london at the end of this month please take some heels or whatever
0: (laughs) and you've got merch
3: we do yeah we have uh we've got these lovely plush jumpers We've got stickers and pins and usual things like that. But I think the most exciting merch we have is is makeup. We mm. have costume-designed uh, makeup palettes um, that in rainbow colours.
2: Mm.
3: And so before you head to
2: the West End, you're at the Meat Market. Tell us about the venue.
3: We are in the Cobblestone Pavilion at Meat Market, uh, which is that kind of big central space. And they have a huge big truss, uh, which is perfect because we have circus. We have aerials in the show. Uh, I think Meat Market is an iconic venue, so it's perfect for yummy iconic. Um, I love the the heritage and history uh, the building has, and um, I've seen so many amazing shows there over. I've lived in Melbourne for seventeen years, so who wouldn't want to perform at Meat yeah. Market? I love it. Hmm. Uh, we'll and, bring the meat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and is there any? Is there a local reference that you are like? Oh, London's not going to mm. know, and so we. You have to say hurrah to any local content before you gen- generalize it for an overseas audience.
3: Um, I've got a little bit of homework to do, I guess. Yeah. And I've got uh, friends who live in London who are cabaret performers, so I'll I'll have to see if our, our jokes get lost in translation. Yeah, right. And run it past them on our dress rehearsal. They'll. I, I don't know. I think the Brits love the Aussies. They you do. know, us they. They love their delicious Vegemite pals. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're going to have
2: so much fun, and I can't wait. I wish I was there over in London to catch the show, but in the meantime, you can catch Yummy Iconic this June 22nd to the 25th at Meat Market in North Melbourne. Head to yummytheshow.com for more details, and I suppose your personal website or... Just go to yummytheshow.com. Just go to yummytheshow.com. All the, the show info's com. there. All right. Uh, we've been speaking with founder and director and and MC of Yummy Iconic, James Wellesby. Good
3: on you, James. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Triple R.
1: I went to a book launch last night. Um, Antoinette Latouf, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, um, and the... The book launch was like from 6.30 till 7.30 and we were going out for dinner. So I will, wasn't sure whether I should book before or after. So like before would be an early one and it'd be 5pm dinner oh. or after would be 8pm, which you hear on television all the time in America, pick you up at 8. Pick you up at 8 and then you're in at bloody 9.
2: Also, with that thing, why are they picking each other up? I know. Like just meet you there. Meet
1: me at the bloody restaurant. What do
2: we need to have hors d'oeuvres in the
0: car? <laughs> will we'll, we'll offered to pick me up for our first date and I was like, no.
2: Really? Yeah. No,
0: no, like. But I've I think given I, you my address. <laughs> <laughs> Freak. Uh, no, I think it's just, I think they think it's chivalrous. Mm. Or, you know, like, oh, I've yeah. asked you out, I'll pick you up. I understand this is not the purpose of the conversation. <laughs>
1: no, no. I love where it can go. Um, but, yeah. W- what would you book if you had the option of 5 pm or 8 pm? Oh, it's
0: hard. I love it. I love a six o'clock dinner. Oh, my y- God. Yeah, Perfect. I know. I do too. Yeah. But it depends on the other person. Most people don't work our hours. So most people at five, they can't get out of work by then.
1: Forget other people, what would you pick? <laughs> mm.
2: Five forget or eight? Other
1: people.
2: <laughs> These days it would be five, it,
1: it, yeah. without question. Yeah, right, but just working in breakfast radio, Well, you
2: also I was thinking if a toddler's involved, that makes oh. it necessary. But then, yeah. but okay, so take the toddler out of it and please always take the toddler out <laughs> of it. Um, yeah, look, five, because... Five. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an early start. I also like to be there presenting at a restaurant where people on, uh, on the street can see <laughs> there's action because a, a lot of restaurants oh, yeah. are not operating at five at, at a buzzing capacity at five p.m. Yeah, mm. whereas you know if we're there having a good time, they'll it, come in. Yeah, they'll come. Exactly.
0: Mm. I yes. guess the risk is well double risk because you have an eight p.m. booking. Then you're not eating at eight. No. Are you? You're not, leave, you're not leaving there till 9.30. Mm. It's like um, five o'clock, great. But what if you get hungry again?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I think I'm probably just going to go to bed. If I'm eating at five, I'll probably be in bed by nine anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but last we we made the decision. We're like, should we go five or eight? We've gone before or after and we both went five. So like, okay. And then we had a look and we found a restaurant uh and they didn't open till six, like, oh, <laughs> so we'd we gone through the whole thing like, "Oh, all right, I guess we'll uh, we'll go later." So we booked it for eight o'clock. I don't think I've ever booked a restaurant for eight o'clock. FR. Nah. No. Nah. Maybe when I was yeah, no, I don't think I have. Anyway, 7.30, which isn't too far off it, but, um, but 8 o'clock, it just went over. Um, so we went after the book launch and as soon as we get in there, we're like, well, where's the waiter? We are starving. <laughs> that was like 8.01. Um, but we look, we had a wonderful dinner. There was a family that was sitting near us uh, and the restaurant was um, a little bit nicer. So I guess the ambiance was um, pretty quiet mm. uh, in there um, and it was kind of dark it it was lovely Uh, you kind of come in and go oh Uh, you have your table conversations but you don't hear rowdy stuff on other tables anyway uh halfway through our meal uh, on one of the other tables there was a family and then a waiter came out with a dessert with a candle and uh they've come to the table and then one of the young boys there's a couple of young boys maybe about 10 uh one of them goes happy birthday (laughs) and the dad goes shh and it was the dad's birthday right and then the mum was sitting there and the other brother, and they were all embarrassed. And so he stopped. And because it did startle everyone, everyone kind of jumped and went, Oh, Jesus. And turned around. And then he got shush. And we we're like, Oh. And then he went again. He went, happy, fever. And the dad goes, Shh. And the mum goes, Shh. And he looked at him. And he, because he was right near us. And he was so annoyed at them. And he went, No. And sang the whole thing. And I tell you, it was the highlight of my night.
3: <laughs> what he a little just,
1: twerp. He, <laughs>
0: Nah, no, that's great.
1: I thought it was awesome. He's just like, "No." No, it is it's and he's not it's nice.
0: He's like it's your birthday. I want to celebrate.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and everyone, it was so endearing. It was just like, "No." Like he just was so upset that he was getting shushed. Anyway, he that's sang really the whole thing. special. So
2: so do you think he was reacting to the shushing or he was being faithful to the sanctity of the birthday song on a birthday? Yeah. I think he
1: was being faithful to like cuz he didn't look like he was being like, a brat about it. He was honestly shocked when yeah. they shushed him. and all
2: these uptight honkies can bloody
0: enjoy... Yeah, like, he's not throwing food around the room.
1: Well, no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, it really... Everyone everyone loosened kind of loo- up after loosened that. up and laughed and enjoyed it. It was such a beautiful, heartwarming thing. And then you see <laughs> the parents afterwards when they saw the reaction of everyone else and they kind of smiled and they're like, and he's like, yeah, now give me the cake. <laughs> yeah,
0: You can only get some when you sing. You hear it four times. <laughs> yeah. What a terrific, uh, I don't know, I'm really,
2: I feel like the future's going to be okay. <laughs> when there are kids like that. Yeah, when you're presented with an environment yeah. that is stultifying and you nonetheless push through with your joy.
0: Yeah, I think it's not. I think it's like, yeah. it's not just though, oh, look at this kid. He's so joyful. He made noise. Like there was a, a good intention There's a cake behind
2: with it. a candle, I presume.
0: Absol- yeah, it did. That's what Being yeah,
2: delivered what the to the table. What, you just somberly observe it's, like, oh, yes. it's being dropped in silence? And birthday
0: wishes to your father.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do um, think about the, the 5 p.m. Dinner though, and maybe oh well, it was an eight pm. They should have been loose at that point anyway. Um, but the the idea of you not doing five pm because you're worried about a second dinner. Everybody knows if you're going to have a second dinner, it's just shameful and disgusting. In your car, <laughs> <laughs> you put all the wrappers on the passenger seat. And then which you have to clear off next time you pick someone up for your 8 o'clock dinner.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, I had a a different dinner.
2: I had a second dinner last night. It was too early, went out with Bobby.
0: (laughs) But I guess you can, yeah, no, I think it's good. And you know, there's there's something something really nice about um, eating at a restaurant early Mm. and then um, it gets busy as you leave. Like because everyone uh, yeah. gets there at like seven or whatever and you're yeah. like, oh, I'm already done. Oh, this is so well, nice. Well,
2: this also runs the risk, I would have thought, at the book launch, like let's say you meet the love of your life or someone or, you know, your best friend or mm-hmm. what. And, and then but you've got this ceiling of time so you have to leave the book launch.
0: Mm. Yes. Oh, to get to rush to To get to dinner. dinner.
2: Yes, or it's running late or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's why, uh, like w- was there a – Uh, ushering out or was it uh... there
1: you know it it was supposed to go for an hour went maybe an hour 15 and then there was only a short period of time that you could get uh your book signed and all that kind of stuff um so yeah it uh we actually we had our booking for um eight we actually got there a few minutes after eight Mm. uh, and abby called up because it was running late
2: i think daniel kitson always gets upset comedian Mm -hmm. like he thinks his show should be the night
0: Oh, don't rush off to dinner. Yeah. Ah.
2: Or, or, yeah, like don't schedule anything else. This is it. This is it. (laughs) I
0: don't know if he has the
1: right to be annoyed.
2: Well, I saw a No, he doesn't. (laughs) But he can express a preference. (laughs) Yes, that's true. You are allowed. To have
1: drinks and talk about his show. Yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah, exactly. But now I want that kid to turn up at his show and just go, ha. -ha 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 -ha
7: -ha 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 Triple...
2: Ah. For Feature Creatures this week, it's always a treat to speak from Melbourne museums with entomologist to the stars, Simon Bugman-Hinkley. Morning, Simon. (laughs)
9: Morning, everyone. How are you? Yeah, really good. Uh, Should we be nervous? Um, Well, I'm... I'm already itchy after having read up about these, but yeah, I thought we'd talk about lice because, you know, why not? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's something that I think last time I spoke about yellow crazy ants, not many of us are ever ever actually going to see yellow crazy ants unless you live in an area where they are. Um, But most of us have had experience with lice either as a parent or as as a kid. I certainly got them in primary school at least once from memory. So... Thought I'd talk about lice um, and actually turns out that they're a much more interesting group than I thought. So lice is just the common name for for a group of insects of which there's about, you know, anywhere up to 5,000 odd species. Um, Humans have three that occur on us uh, and most mammals and birds uh, have species of lice and often they're host specific. So for example, humans have, uh, we have the head lice, we have body lice and we can have pubic lice. And these, the head lice and the body lice only occur on humans. So you can't give head lice to your dog. So it's, it's a species specific thing. So when we're looking at lice, you can have basically two sort of groups. You can have chewing lice, which are things that will feed on things like um, skin cells and stuff like that. And then you'll also have um, sucking lice, which is what the head lice and the body lice are. So they will actually pierce the skin and um, get a blood meal. And they do that in a similar way to mosquitoes. They will pierce the skin and have like a little anticoagulant that helps the blood to flow. So um, for those that haven't actually gone through someone else's hair and collected them, lice are about, about three millimetres, head lice are about three millimetres long. Uh, they're sort of pale and the ends of their legs uh, end in like little claws that they use to hang on to the hairs. They're actually... Uh, don't survive off the human head after about 24 hours. So they need um, the, the, head, the warmth of our scalp and they also need the blood. If you take them off the human head, um, put them on a the surface, they're quite clumsy because they're their little legs end in claws. So they're very well designed to be in our hair. They don't fly. So again, if someone in the class has lice, you're not going to have them flying from their head to your head. It's very much about head-to-head contact, um, which is why often school kids are more likely to get head lice because, you know, they're putting their heads together and they're, they're playing in a way that, you know, adults sitting in an office aren't going to do. Obviously, um, pubic lice being a predominantly sexual contact thing and much more of, of an adult thing. And body lice are, oh, and I should say there's one one really common sort of misconception which may have already been cleared up, I don't know, but... When I was a kid, the rumor was that um, head lice, they favored unclean, dirty heads. There, there's no truth to that. Head lice don't care about the length of the hair. They don't care whether it's clean or dirty. They just like, is the head warm and is the hair to hang on to? Mm. Body lice are a bit of a different issue. And they're the, the body lice actually live in our clothing and then come down to the skin to feed. And they are more emblematic of... Um, people or situations where people are not able to change their clothes and don't have access to laundered clothes so things like refugee camps war situations um, homeless people are all more prone unfortunately to things like getting body lice Um, but what i did find really interesting about them was we can blame chimpanzees for head lice and we can blame gorillas for pubic lice Um, so we think that humans early humans got i should say pubic lice um, people often call them crabs because if you look at uh, a pubic louse down the microscope, as opposed to the head lice, which are like little elongated insects, the pubic louse is um, sort of more squat and rounded. And because the pubic hair is coarser and thicker, their claws are more impressive. They're bigger, stronger claws to hang on to different hair. So it's quite a different looking insect. Um, But it's thought that we, we in inverted commas got um, pubic lice and gorillas about 3.3 million years ago which implies, well, three methods of transmission, either there was um, some sort of sexual contact going on, or what's more likely is that they'll probably, early humans might have used um, areas that gorillas had been nesting or sleeping in, because uh, obviously, you know, if, if a couple of pubic lice come loose and you get there before they die, they'll happily get onto you, or we might have sort of been scavenging on dead gorillas or doing something like that. So um All good the, the I, was just, I was
0: just thinking then, what is the best like you want to have had sex with the gorilla or eaten a dead gorilla? <laughs> Maybe just lay down where it used to be. I'd go sleeping, because yes. otherwise it's
9: awkward. You're like you come home and you go, I've got crabs, and you're like, Where have you been around the gorillas? So yeah, you want to say that <laughs> that was a sleeping situation, they'd already left, not when they were there. Yes. Yeah, so, um and yes, we got we got headlights from from chimpanzees, but it's it's interesting that um because and they know that because when they look at the pib lice of gorillas, which they still have today obviously, and they look at our pubic lice, they're very, very similar and their DNA suggests that they separated about that 3.3 million years ago. So the the lice are actually really interesting ways of finding out things like that. And another way that they use lice is um, what we don't want to do these days, which we're a bit more prone to in the past, was we'd go to an area and go, oh, well, we'll just, you know, exhume these bodies or take these skulls because that, that's what we did at the time because we want to learn more about people. But what, what they found now is that if you go to, so for example, you've got a, a mummy from Egypt or you've got someone from South America, if they've got nits still in their hair, which um, is likely because I should have said that the the nit is the egg of the, of the lice. So when people say you've got nits, yeah. the nit is the egg. The, the louse is the adult female that's laying the eggs. What they do is they attach the eggs with like a little sort of concrete or, or – well, it's not concrete. Let's call it more of a cement. It's a protein-based sort of um, adhesive or cementy sort of situation that they stick the the uh, knit onto the hair follicle. They don't come off, which is why we have to use those combs to sort of scrape the eggs off. So they've actually found in taking um, knit eggs from um, very old, 1,500-year-old, 2,000-year-old bodies – those knit eggs um, skin cells got incorporated into the concretion when it was being laid. And from that, they can go, they can actually then sort of match DNA across different peoples and go, well, these people in Puerto Rico are the same as these people in Mexico. I'm just making this up, but you know, they can actually sort of look at the DNA and then trace where people have moved, where they've migrated to or from. So rather than sort of be taking teeth out of, you know, human skulls or doing really intrusive, destructive sampling, they can actually just use knit eggs to get some of this really useful DNA for migration um, histories of humans. And they can also determine things like in some of the early bodies, they found that the, the nits have been laid really close to the scalp. And that implies that those people have experienced really cold conditions because if it's in hot areas, they position the nits further away from the scalp. When it's really, really cold, they bring it right up to the scalp for, for the warmth. So these nits that are you know 1500, 2000 years old, that little concretion can give you all these clues on conditions that people were experiencing, migration, all that sort of thing. So lots of interesting things yes. from um, looking at nets.
2: How old can a lice live on one head?
9: Yeah, so they the the eggs take about a week or so to hatch um, and then the, the adult will only live for about sort of 30 to 40 days. And in that time, depending on the species, she might lay a couple of hundred eggs. Mm. So they don't last that long. But obviously, um, you know, in areas where you've got, crowds of people poor sanitation you know you can get significant populations which are obviously quite distressing to people and and unpleasant to experience but obviously the treatment for lice is all um fairly simple and easy happily lice aren't big transmitters of disease you know that's always one thing we think about when something that's piercing our skin and potentially introducing an anticoagulant or a saliva um the head lice don't transmit disease they've actually sort of Uh, given head lice, infected them with things, and then, you know, made sure that they don't pass it on. The body lice are a little bit different. They can transmit a few things, like you've got to have the disease present, but they can transmit typhus, for example. Um, And it's, so I should have said, so the head lice and the body lice are two subspecies of the same um, creature. So it's pediculus, humanus capitus is the head lice and pediculus humanus humanus is the body louse so they're very very similar mm. of the same species but slightly different
0: i'm glad you better. Yeah, can yeah, i
9: yeah. can i ask yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry would, has a head lice ever met a pubic
2: lice like would <laughs> they recognize each other well
9: That is a a lovely segue to um, the origin of body lice because, yes, so basically body lice are a really good indicator of when humans developed clothing because in the past um, we were very, very hairy and then obviously we we lost um, differing amounts of hair and then as we migrated into colder climates and higher altitudes, we we needed, um, we were freezing. So humans developed clothing and that's when the body louse developed because you've got head lice and suddenly you've got this uh you've got clothing that's been added to the body so you might have had a big gap between the head and the groin so there's there's sort of nothing there for the the lice to sort of get stuck into put on clothing you've then got something that if an errant head louse just you know drops out or, or moves down it's like oh this is this is just as good this is warm and that's where um so that's why the head lice have basically then this subspecies of the body louse has come from head lice that have moved into our clothing so again um when they looked at the dna of head lice and body lice and knowing how often and how quickly dna mutates within a species they were able to actually go well we estimate that clothing therefore developed in humans say 50,000 years plus or minus 40,000 years ago so it's certainly not it's not a narrow window in in terms of the earth's you know in terms of our history it is but it's really interesting that as you say Daniel that um you know in nature things are always there's always mutations or things experimenting or something drops off and it thrives in an area and off it goes so yes um and you you can get without being too graphic um crab's can move. Crabs aren't just in the um, uh, pubic region. They are used to hang on to coarse hair. So if you are a gentleman that has very sort of coarse body hair, they can be in other areas. Um, they can be in eyelashes and eyebrows. So they can um, move and be found in different areas. Beautiful, great. What a wonderful <laughs> note. To
0: end on. Do you... <laughs> oh my God. Are there any tips for? I mean, for avoiding. Let's just stick to head lice and body lice for now. Yeah. Uh, any tips to avoid them? I I never got them in school, but I used to love the visit from the knit nurse because she gave you a little massage. <laughs> so did I. It was I
9: was so wondering good. whether that was just my school. I used to love the knit sisters oh, with their little plastic gloves. It
0: was so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
9: Except when you ran through the car park with the letter saying that you had, you know, shouting if your mum, I've got knits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, look, I mean, I guess I, I think basically if you're a parent, I think there's usually a letter home when there's a bit of an outbreak in a school. But, I mean, I guess – you know, you don't want to sort of freak your kids out and say you can't rub heads with, you know, Jenny or you can't – but, you know, basically sharing combs and stuff between kids or if they're scratching, you know, um, just search online how to look for for the lice. They're often – they'll often lay their eggs sort of behind the ears or, or down near the base of the, the back of the head. Mm. So, um, you know, if your kid's saying, oh, my head's really itchy, you just, you know, part the hair and have a look and see. Just shave confined. their
0: head and lock them in a room. Great. Yes. <laughs> Knit nurse massage. <laughs> like, oh, Moms like, throw,
2: throw a bit of bread at the door, yeah. <laughs> Moms at school going, have you looked more? I've got knits, miss. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> 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 uh, all right, so Nick Lee, thank you very much. Thanks,
9: everybody.
6: Triple
2: Join this Friday morning by breakfast's very own gold, Golden Gibbo winning funny bugger, Nat Harris. Morning, Nat.
8: Good morning, everyone. I love that the Golden Gibbo is still being rolled out. Oh, Absolutely. Always. Why
0: not? That's always. forever. Until you, yeah. until you win another Golden Gibbo, then you're
8: two-time, Two two-time. Two-time. 2 yeah. Golden Gibbo winner. <laughs> oh, I would love that. Maybe I should make it my middle name. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Natalie Golden Gibbo Harris. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, what's going on out there? Oh, nothing much. You know, it's chilly. And- <laughs> Mm. Um, been doing, I was away last week doing some gigs in regional New South Wales, which was oh. fun. Yeah, oh. I know. A real highlight was we did um, a gig in Glen Innes um, and it was organised by like the community um, theatre group. Mm-hmm. And it was, I don't know if anyone's seen uh, Waiting for Guffman. Yes. By Christopher Guest, but it was definitely those vibes. It was very entertaining. I loved it. Can
0: you give me an insight into what those vibes mm. are?
8: It was just like a completely committed um, community theatre. Like oh, They great. were just so invested and so excited <laughs> um, and one of the um, – Members did mention that he rewrites Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, what do you mean? Because it needs improvement? Or? Yeah, I guess so. He's like, oh, I love theatre. I write poetry. I write my own plays. I rewrite Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just really stood out. <laughs> and they had recently just put on, um, or I don't know, I think it was maybe, yeah, the start of the year, they'd put on um, Mamma Mia. Oh, good. I know. In a Shakespearean style? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) This is amateur. Have you done
2: amateur theatre? You, you would if you are in Glen sort
8: of. I did. You would if you are a local, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not turning my nose off at that. No, it. I no. Just like, I just love how <laughs> Mamma Mia. And that's right. He said there'd only been like two people who'd ever been on the stage before, sung before. So I just <gasps> love how ambitious oh, they are. I, like... I just love community theatre, I guess. Mm. I love whenever I see like the um, the boards for like school plays as well. I always want to go and see them. Like the more ambitious, the better. Yeah. Like, I saw like a school play was putting on Charlotte's web, and I was oh. like, well, How are they going to do the web? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are they going to do? What What's the kind of spider of doing? I... Yeah, I love the idea that they are like trying to oh. suspend the, the spider. Yeah. Like I, uh,
2: going on stage and singing Mamma Mia for the first time obviously sounds scary, but if
8: Pierce Brosnan did it. You're right. Mm. Absolutely. Mm, you sound like you're talking from personal experience there, Daniel. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> yeah.
2: No, but Give like, us the number. I would say, I mean, also, Amateur Theatre. You can BYO, you know. Sometimes can there's you? trestle tables or whatever, yeah, or yeah. you, you yeah, get a going
8: on. Yeah, they were definitely they were def, they were cooking up mulled wine, yeah. and yeah, I think the recipe was just old bottles of wine <laughs>
5: <laughs> and then heated up. Heat it up yeah, 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 yeah. I just looked
8: over oh, there like some mulled wine. I'm like pretty sure that's just hot wine. <laughs> And it was delicious. Yes, it was, it was. <laughs> five out of five. Um, no, but something I wanted to bring, something that I've, like a matters of the heart is what I kind of want to talk about this morning. So it's just a bit of a muck in. I have permission to talk about this, but I've been really um, obsessed with the fact that one of my friends, um, she ref- she's single, she's been about sing- single for a year, which is Not even that long time, but she refuses to go on the dating apps, but she does want to get back out there, okay? okay? Um, But she's currently got a crush on her postie.
0: Amazing. Really? Yes.
8: Yes. Okay. How? Yeah.
1: What do you well, mean how? Well, like yeah. she stopped, you hardly interact with them. Well, maybe does she come out and make an effort to come out
8: and talk to the postie now? Yeah, she definitely knows the postie's days yeah. and the postie delivers packages. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So she's now ordering all of these packages. <laughs> To have interactions with the postie, and but I'm kind of like, okay, well, what's your game plan? You're gonna ask the postie out, mm. and she thinks it's too close. I'm like, and they know where you live. Mm, I well, mean, it's they an know inter- what you order. This is the thing. It's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Because the postie knows her full name and address. Yeah, and she knows nothing about the postie. Yeah,
0: what? Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, they could be. Well, oh, she be knows.
2: Probably what he he, I presume. She she. She, right. Yeah, does for a living.
8: Yes, it's true. But it's a it's a it's a tough dynamic. It's a tough one to kind of deal with because now she's getting really sensitive as well. She goes, and Nat, I just feel like she's always rushing off. She's got no time. She's got no time and and it's like Greta, that's the nature of the job. Time. And now she's worried that she thinks that the postie as well thinks that she's, you know, buying too much, that she's <laughs> caught up in consumerism. Oh, yeah, she's a slave to the capitalist yeah. society. Does you regret the that... things you don't do in this
1: life. Pardon? You regret the things you don't do. Absolutely. Very, very yeah. easy
0: advice to give and not have to act on yourself though, isn't it? Like, Does please she... do it because I want to know what happens.
1: Absolutely. You can come back and tell us about it another week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Does she know the name of the postie? Yes, which I oh. won't say on air. Does she know the full name of the postie or just the first name? Um, I, know I what believe I believe Yeah, I know. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I love this, Bobby. Wow. The look my... in Bobby's eyes, I'm like, sorry, is like she's done me. this before. <laughs> well, no, one of my best friends is a postie. Oh. <gasps> wow, I love this. So oh. if I get the full name, maybe I can ask my friend and then we can come back. What area? Do... Oh, no, I
8: have so many questions. You're going to take it off air. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. It off air. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Oh, my God, I'm so jealous that your friends are posty. i'm obsessed with posties are you yeah for me they're just really mysterious and yeah um like who are they under all of that high viz actually new i can helmet. see how
0: it would happen my postie she's 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 really like nice and bubbly and oh is she maybe i have a crush on my postie. do you <laughs> okay do I yeah. <laughs> no i just was like thinking oh how do you ever see them but i think that like sometimes they make it if they actually come to the door and knock on the door because they have a package or whatever then it's yeah. like oh hi and then like oh look
8: at your dog and oh.
2: yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. oh sorry but with the packages is that a knock on the door so that yes. that's unavoidable
8: yeah, well, I think a lot of the time maybe they don't, that, that they just pop the slip. <gasps> oh, right. I and don't know lots I w-
2: occurring. Yeah, oh, I was talking sign. to someone else
8: and they were like, God, what I'd give to have a postie knock on my door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yes. But it's interesting as well. She thinks she's in with the chance, okay, because of oh. this one small thing. I go, well, do you think there's a vibe there? And she goes, definitely. And I go, <laughs> Wow, confident. Yeah, I go, why? What happened? And she said, she said, chow. Oh. oh great! She's getting comfortable now. Yeah, ciao. Oh, yeah. Do you okay. think that that's flirting? Is ciao flirting? She's, to tell,
0: bad news, for all the Italians out there who aren't flirting. Yes. Just... <laughs> ciao, ciao. Ciao's flirting.
1: Interesting. Ciao. Do you think? Yeah,
8: ta- <gasps> Daniel. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I'm oh wow! Oh. I didn't realise that was so definite. She is also concerned that the weather is keeping them apart.
0: Oh, because God. it's very – you can't – yeah, you got to rush off when it's raining. Yeah, you can't raining. linger in
8: the rain. Can I mean, can you? she's Unless in the elements. Unless
1: her in. Is that too much? You can't invite them in. You're right,
8: working, Because though.
0: also they might, yeah. still might be a, like a psycho. You don't know. Yeah, they, okay. you know. They could be very good at being a postie, but then they might, you know, be stranger otherwise.
8: Here's what I think she should stranger do. Stranger danger, I think. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That's really well, – thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Mon. Um, <laughs> stranger danger. Um, she could get like her own slip. From the, um, the, the, what do you call it? The, post office? Yes. I'm <laughs> <The>, sorry. <laughs> from the post office it's like, sorry, I missed you. She could write up, pick up your parcel, you know, thank you. Ah.
2: How about this? This is the text. Oh, yeah. Of a friend hook up with a garbage collector.
8: Ah.
2: Uh, and, yeah,
8: he'd come in. What? Yeah, I love it. This is the big reveal, so the hookup. But so, how did that come to be, though? They
0: invite them into the house, but it's such yeah, they're on the move. Shift. It's so
2: quick. Well, that's what I would have thought. Oh. But it's always—I mean, if you it's keep... always the? Yeah, you keep it running. Do they
8: keep pulling the you yeah. in closer? In like, oh, come and get it. Like <laughs> your colleagues are involved. You'd have to be like, what? Explain it to them. Oh. They're you... on good cash. That's. A... You yeah, know, just my alley, right? Wow. An up, as an
0: update, Will, my partner, is listening. And when I said oh, may, i out, maybe I have a crush on my postie. He texts, he's like, "Oh, her, she's nice." Oh!
8: <laughs> Will's got a crush on the oh, postie. Text bad. in if you've got a crush on your postie. <laughs> Any postie's <laughs> listening, text in. Have you been asked out, or do you want that's to be a, asked yeah. out? That's
2: <laughs> how exciting it would be being a postie? Yeah. And having every interaction like infused. And
8: you'd have like.
0: so much info. Yeah. People are ordering. Yeah. You know. What do you mean,
2: people are, what they're isn't
0: it in oh, a cardboard like, box? Yeah, but you sometimes you know what it's what company it's, from, it's coming from. Company oh, it's from. Yeah, right.
8: yeah okay. they ha- they know the full name, everything like that. But I think she thinks it's too close. I'm like, no, you just don't answer the door the first couple of times if she says no. Exactly. You do mm. boo rattling mm, it. Yes. Yeah. And then <laughs> Or move. Yeah. <laughs> Or move. I think she'd be in real trouble if they went on a couple of dates. She, you know, it didn't go well. Maybe she ends it or something like that. And then the postie's knocking
0: at a door. No, well, no.
8: Then yeah, there's that. There's that <laughs> angle that the postie is knocking at the door. Or she just stops delivering her parcels. Posties <gasps> can. Oh, they posties wield
2: can, a lot of power. Yeah. That is, posties can ask for different routes.
8: Oh yeah, that's it. I'm so I was
2: sorry. just trying
8: to. Pick whether you did that intentionally or not. See <laughs> <All laughs> like you a
2: cherubic face.
8: Wow, imagine that. But then she could have so many other relationships on that route. Totally. Oh Yeah, exactly. You know, like Leon, how many people le- she, how
0: many people she saying ch- chow to? Chow to, exactly. Yes. Your friend needs to ask her neighbours.
8: Yeah, I think she just needs to get out there. Or someone else suggested that she could put it on a post. She could send herself a postcard or something. To ask the postie out? Oh, because they can <gasps> like- oh! So many ways to ask the postie out. Because the postie can can see
1: it, no the envelope. And they absolutely read it. My friend who's a postie reads postcards <gasps> all the time. Oh, really? postie, of course, of
8: course you would. do. Of course you would. Is your friend who's a postie single? No. Oh, well. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's the thing as well. She has no idea. Well, like, yeah, she's married with a couple
1: of kids. She could be the postie you're talking about. She could about. absolutely she's be. very flirtatious.
8: Yeah, okay. and, and Italian, so... <laughs> <gasps> very oh flirtatious. God. Like, how does she flirt? No,
1: she's just very lovely and nice, and she does enjoy having a chat with everyone. So, okay. I don't think she's ever said
8: chow, But okay, mm, but yeah,
1: who
0: knows? Yeah, Actually, she's confusing. confusing idea. Maybe everyone she just hasn't flirted really with
8: you. Yes. From... Mm, and yes, quickly. But have any of you? I know you're all happily partnered, but have you ever asked someone out in real life, or gone to like silly lengths to like be around to a crush? be
0: creative? Oh. I'm sure I have. Yeah, I've never been good at it because I just never assumed anyone would ever say yes. Oh, <laughs> oh my
8: God.
5: Oh, oh, no. What a downer.
8: Oh, right. Someone so says, love.
2: focus Mon, on my, you're so, so
8: beautiful, I oh, how would anybody Mon, ever Mon, Mon,
2: wish you, you more confident. confident? Someone
1: tell something else.
8: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks, Nat. Don't end on, <laughs> uh, no, no let, uh, let's end on chow. <laughs> chow, <Ciao>, babe. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to a podcast of the Best Bits of breakfasts, which is the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or the Triple R website.